your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. And it's a classic American Toffee Podcast today because I am joined by Alex and Alex alone, Ryan, unable to join us as Everton drew nil-nil against Fulham in London at Craven Cottage. First visiting team to keep a clean sheet against Fulham at home this season. Jordan Pickford obviously stood tall on a number of occasions. Unfortunately, though, Everton are now without a win in their last seven Premier League games against newly promoted sides. Three draws and four losses. Longest such run against newly promoted sides since 1973, which was a run of nine. Hopefully our fortunes can turn against Bournemouth here coming up rather shortly. Um, we'll get into the match. It was a uh, disappointing to say the least, Alex. But before we get into it, just a reminder that if you enjoy this show, which we hope you do, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find all the links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And a reminder to join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Links in the description, all that good stuff, Alex. Without further ado, let's just get right into it with your selection for instant match reaction. Yeah, I want to start off by saying, you know, I I wasn't quite feeling spooky, ready uh, for the upcoming holiday. I think Everton did that for me based on this performance. But Sean Conn. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Ooh, Um, Sean Conn at King Conn 225 said, good point. Fulham has been very good attacking side. And for the most part, we defended well in dangerous moments. Decent first half. Couldn't get much going offensively. Miko, man of the match. Excellent every time closing down and Pickford kept us in it. A bit lifeless up front, but that's us. Who'd you go with, James? That's us indeed. Well said by Sean. I went with Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds 86, who said, had we been able to formulate any sort of sustained attack outside of the first five minutes, could have been a nice road win. Still, Everton didn't fold. Pickford made stop after stop, and the squad dug their heels in on defense and fought for a well-earned point. I think that's uh, I think that's a good summation. And we'll talk about all the details, all those chances that Fulham had that were stops. We did have just the one score prediction today, Alex. Yeah, and that was uh, Caramel Crunch 10 uh, with a a riveting nil-nil draw for Everton and Fulham. But congratulations nonetheless. I hope you got what you wanted. (laughs) Well, he gets the mention on the show, which is a consolation in and of itself. (laughs) And I think a lot of people were predicting a bit of a, a barn burner, to quote Nick Weinstein on our Discord. And most people predicted, you know, three or four goals Across both teams, obviously, this was a bit of a snooze fest if you're looking for goals and goals alone. Let's get into the lineups. We'll start with Fulham, who make just one change on Marco Silva's first match against Everton since being sacked all those years ago. Uh, The change is that Cabano comes in for Harry Wilson. Fulham in their last five, uh, lost against Newcastle, lost to West Ham, but then drew Bournemouth, beat Villa, and beat Leeds. So they're on a bit of a positive turn in form. They're actually their attack has been pretty good this season. They're ninth in XG, but their XGA expected goals against is highest in the league by quite a bit. Two point three high, uh, two point three above Bournemouth. So they're conceding a lot of good chances. And that's a reminder. I mean, there's been some absolute blowouts against some poor sides in the league this year. Fulham haven't really conceded a ton, but they're giving up really good chances. And obviously, Alexander Mitrovic is kind of their lead man an absolute monster leading the line. Um, and I think for a lot of people coming coming into this match, him matching up with Tark, 
Tarkowski and Cody was going to be very interesting to see. Um, and then William being rescued from Brazil to come back to the Premier League has been a really good signing, and he was excellent for them today. And Everton, Alex, unchanged. We saw both both sides of this lineup in the last couple matches. I think the question was, which one would we see today? Yeah, yeah, it was unchanged, and and that's really unsurprising based on you know the result and obviously the the performance as a whole last time out. I I thought it was funny seeing William trot around around because I'm pretty sure when we were seriously linked to him, that was also when Marco Silva was manager, um, and I think he was coming from Arsenal at the time. It was important, essentially the, the biggest the biggest thing of note when we saw the Everton lineup and uh, bench was the fact that Patterson has been back in training and officially made the bench. Um, ended up obviously coming off the bench to make a sub appearance, which we'll get into when we get into the uh, the uh, the actual match itself. But James, why don't you uh, run us through the tactical setup of the match for both sides? Yeah, tactical setup was interesting. I'm moonlighting here for Ryan's normal role, but uh, four, <laughs> you're going to do three, great. What? Yeah, no pressure, guys. No pressure. A four-two-three-one basically for both teams. Everton went into a four-four-two more often than not off the ball with a Wobie pressing high uh, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin or at least leading the line in defense. Fulham, for the most part, looked to attack down the left-hand side with Mitrovic, William, and Pereira largely looking to create overloads on the right. On the left-hand side, Bobby Reed pushed up higher than Anthony Robinson, though Robinson did get forward quite a bit on a number of occasions. Um, for Everton, a Wobie was given kind of that free role in at the number 10 position, but more often than not, he ended up shifting right, which, you know, not ideal for what he brings to the side. And even though Anthony Gordon was on that side, uh, he did very little, which we'll, we'll hit on Anthony Gordon quite a bit later. I don't want to stick it to him just yet. Uh, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I mean, offensively, this was a really poor performance, very low production. Dom saw very limited service and we saw a return of the long ball, 66 long balls today for Everton which was as many as we had against Newcastle. And we know what a poor performance that was 26 more than we had against palace. So it just shows, you know, I don't know if there's a direct correlation to number of long balls and horribleness of the performance, but certainly seems to be based on those numbers alone. It did almost work a couple of times early. I mean, we saw Dominic Calvert-Lewin going against Tim Reed and nearly getting in behind in the first couple minutes, but I think Fulham adjusted and were pretty much able to, to limit it. For the, for the remainder of the match. And that when that's your only real option, just hoof it long and hope Dom gets on the end of something. Not a winning recipe, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know, they were they were constantly pressing, which we kind of saw from the outset. And I think that makes it difficult for us as well, especially if, you know, it's one of those days for a couple of these players, which we'll get into uh, for sure in terms of uh, their passing ability and, and how clean they are with moving the ball. Um, and to your point too, I mean, Anthony Robinson was kind of pushed back and, and and the commentators mentioned it specifically when we saw some of those early long balls because, you know, Tim Ream was playing left center back uh, for Fulham and he was looking to kind of uh, supplement his lack of pace in, in the ball in behind. So that was definitely an important feature of the match. Yeah. And as I said, I mean, they were Fulham attacked 47% of the time down the left and we attacked 41% of the, or sorry, 47% where we were 41% down the right. So both, teams uh, going down the same side of the pitch more often than not. And the one thing I did want to hit on um, in terms of the tactical analysis of the match as a whole was just the the territorial dominance. If you look at the distribution of play last match against Palace, we had only 22% of the ball in, or 22% of the time in the match was the ball in our defensive third. Today, we saw that skyrocket to 39%. And it really felt that way just watching the match. It felt like we were kind of locked in 
in a tightly compressed at the back and Fulham were kind of having their way and it became more prominent in the second half. Um, but it, it, I did want to introduce a, a number we haven't talked about, but was mentioned by Patty in one of his athletic articles uh, this week, which is great. And you should definitely check it out. We love Patty on the show. Great friend of the program. And that's field tilt, which is a, basically a measure of the share of possession a team has in a game when you consider only the touches or passes in the attacking third. And today, you know, it was kind of the opposite way against Palace. Today, 75.6% in favor of Fulham just shows that they were pretty much all over us in most respects. And we were kind of had our backs against the wall for large stretches, which wouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who watched it with their two eyes. Yeah. And, and to add to more context with it, right. Um, you know, we clearly didn't have the majority of possession. Um, we've talked about how our style of play has changed. You know, we're trying to be more patient in the buildup, which we saw, you know, that was a huge talking point with one of the palace goals was was the way we were able to pass it and involve 10 of our players. But, um, you know, 39% of the possession in the away third today, not only was it Fulham constantly having, um, you know, uh, connecting passes through in the attacking third, you know, William um, having his way with our defense. It also was signified by the fact that Tarkovsky had the most touches with 70 for Everton. Cody was next with 63, Mikalinko 60 and Pickford 53. That Those were your top four in touches. So not only was it a fact that, you know, Fulham was in our attacking third, you know, we sat back very deep when they had, possession we were also sitting you know shuffling the ball you know back and forth constantly trying to find a way out of the press instead of that long ball when possible which clearly didn't necessarily work to the best of our ability yeah and Fulham did a really good job of just cutting out the passes into the midfield and as a result you know you see the result being the 66 long balls that we kind of just said all right well this side to side stuff isn't working let's just hoof it long and um, that, that was the product that's why we saw um, a handful of really nice turns from Ghana and Onana in some tight spaces. Yeah, they definitely were under a lot of pressure and had to be very disciplined in the, how they protected the ball, which, you know, they, they did okay. Um, before we get into the timeline, we'll take a quick break for a word from our wonderful sponsors, and we'll be right back with you shortly. All right, we are back, folks. Let's just get into the timeline, Alex, as we usually do. I mean, in terms of major match events, obviously with no goals, there isn't a lot, but I think the first notable event for us was very early on. We had a couple of shots. Gordon gets his shot blocked, which was actually a pretty good bid and probably his most positive contribution on the day. And then Gray had one very shortly after that was also saved. It was a promising start, right? I mean, I thought we looked okay. We were th- that we had a couple those couple successful long balls that I mentioned, and then those couple shots. And I think most fans are saying, okay, maybe this will be the turning of our fortunes away from home. Yeah, I, my first thought, and you know. F- during the start of the match was this is going to be a really interesting game. It was very wide open, as you said, because a couple of minutes later, there was a huge point blank save from Pickford on Willian. Um, there was a header from Mitrovic on the corner and another fingertip save uh, immediately after that uh, outside the box save on Reed following that too. So um, it was extremely back and forth, open-ended goal to goal action. Essentially there were, you know, clear weaknesses, I think on both sides being showcased uh, pretty early on. And as you said, you know, maybe, Maybe some of that is indicative of of our best play during the match as we move forward. Yeah, and I think really the the best chance for Everton to score today was in the 18th minute. It was the Damari Gray left-footed cross to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who managed to get a toe on it, but not quite enough. But that's that was our, you know, according to some of the XG models that have come out, that was our best chance of the match by a mile, coming in at almost point six xg i don't know how accurate that was but it it was like at the six yard line and dom where he likes to be 
sliding in and you you hoped that Everton could create more chances like that for Dom, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, and, and notice how James said it was a left-footed cross from Damari Gray because a lot of people kind of crucify him for the fact that he'll dribble, you know, cut backs and the crossing on his, on his right. So um, it was it was a really good chance. And also, uh, Gordon was sliding behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin, albeit a little bit later too. So you kind of felt like when the ball was going in, there was going to be some sort of advantageous touch to it. But, you know, then the match starts getting a little cagey, and, and this is a, kind of a big, big point in the match where, you know, you really feel like it could have gone either way. But in the 23rd minute, um, Mitrovic had, you know, that really, really poor challenge on Ghana in which he gets a yellow. He kind of stomps on his ankle or maybe slightly above his ankle as Ghana, you know, gets a toe on the ball to, to knock it away. So, James, I want to get your uh, get your opinion on this. It was called a yellow card. Um, VAR checked it and, and didn't decide to intervene. Um, how are you feeling about this call? I'm going to be honest. I was pretty fired up when I saw it. And, and actually, I wasn't fired up when I saw it live. And then the first replay, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is horrific. But I think the fact that it was deemed a yellow on the field makes it, as you said last week, Alex, on a couple of calls, it makes it that much harder because I don't think it's like a clear cut red where it needs to be a red. I think part of it is I do think he is going for the ball and just mistimes it. I don't think it's like a malicious challenge. And it's also not at pace, right? It's not a sliding challenge that's high on the ankle. That's really, really dangerous. It still is nasty. And that's Ghana's going to be feeling that for a couple of days. But for me, I don't know. I mean, it, it sucks because we are given reds for stuff that feels way softer than that. And that is, that is certainly a dangerous play in terms of, but it, I just feel like if you're going by the rule book, you know, endangering the safety of an opponent, I don't know if it quite meets that threshold, and I don't know if it's quite enough to overturn it. If you if you catch my drift, I don't know. What what, what were your thoughts, Alex? I think we're on the same page there. Uh, it could have gone either way, but as you said, it's it really comes down to can var can var overturn it really with with what you have, and I, I don't think so. Um, so that's okay. And you know, the rest of the first half ended up being pretty much a battle across the pitch, which. Uh, you know, is is kind of a theme even even beyond the first half. Not much notable. Uh, we did have a corner in the 40th minute in which Tarkovsky gets a free header. It ended up being straight at the goalkeeper. Not really uh, any anything to write home about, unfortunately. Yeah, and and that's as you said, not much else to mention in the half. I do think the yellow card kind of serves as an interesting because it's basically the midway point of the first half, and I think it's an interest. It's interest. It's interesting to just look at the stats. Before and after. Before the yellow, the match was five to five in shots, fifty-three to forty-seven percent possession in favor of Fulham, five to two in corners, and the corner disparity would not uh, look any better for us after ninety. But after the yellow, Fulham seemed to it seemed to galvanize them. I don't know if I don't want to say it's necessarily a turning point, but after the yellow, it was six to three in shots in favor of Fulham and sixty forty possession. So we really lost any kind of foothold in possession that we had and control over the tempo. And Fulham really kind of dictated play, and that would only increase in pace as we moved into the second period of play. Halftime, if I was Frank Lampard, I, you know, I, I would feel maybe a tad bit lucky, but I thought it was pretty even overall. We, we definitely did not have the edge coming out, um, you know, coming into the locker room at halftime. Um, you know, Fulham definitely stepped it up. I was really afraid as to how we would see Ghana react to that, um, you know, react to that challenge, especially through the first half. I don't know. You know, maybe could you make an argument that, you know, maybe Ghana uh, did feel the effects of it and wasn't as involved? I'm not sure. I'd have to watch that tape back. But either way, um, the story was going to be what it has been many, many times this season. And that is, can we come out in the second half hot? Are we going to be ready to put, you know, all full effort into every 50-50 challenge? 
are we going to be, um, you know, more fluid in the attack, etc. And we, <laughs> and the answer, Alex, to all of those questions was pretty much a resounding no. I, I, I have to say, and I think we got. I don't know. Maybe I'll put the question to you. In the 46th minute, we had that Ghana challenge on William in the box. Um, it wasn't ruled a penalty on the field and was not overturned by VAR. But in my opinion, I think we got a little bit lucky with that because, I mean, I've seen a million penalties that were much softer than that given without a second thought. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, and that, just like just like you kind of mentioned um, Mitrovic's yellow card, when I first saw it, I thought maybe he got a touch on the ball and it wasn't a big deal. And then they slow it down and they show the replay and you realize that he really didn't get um, the ball. He definitely made contact with Willian. You know, I know the commentators were mentioning Willian's kind of body language, the fact that he didn't really protest it, which is interesting if you think about it, watching it back. Um, I'd say we definitely got a little bit lucky, but you know what? It's it's about time. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm never going to complain about calls going in, in our favor. Um, so with totally okay with it not being given, and it, though it might have been you know partially deserved for Fulham given how much better they were attacking than we were, but enough, the less said about that, the better. We moved to the 64th minute which is a couple, you know, Anana gets his yellow, which I thought was a little bit soft, but probably fair given uh, how physical he had been up to that point. And then we have the first sub of the match, which sees Nathan Patterson come on for Seamus Coleman. Um, Alex, what'd you make of that substitution, that decision? I mean, obviously we've missed Patterson, I think quite a bit since he's been injured and Frank bringing him on pretty early on, given how late Frank tends to leave his subs at times. Yeah, I was surprised he was so early, but also surprised that he was the first sub. You know, I, I guess in context of the match, when, when you when you kind of think back at it, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, Willian was definitely giving us big problems on that side. And Robinson's pace when he did overlap and when he did, you know, try to create the overload on the right side, like you were mentioning earlier on in the episode, um, it's a huge problem. You know, Gordon was trying his best a lot of times to track him, but he can't always track him, especially when he was the one, you know, dispossessed and on the ground for a little bit and just lost that much more time in tracking back. So I, I get maybe the fresh legs, you know, I'm, I'm just surprised because he came back this week uh, and we'll probably, you know, touch on how Patterson did uh, towards the end of the match. But um, interesting. What did you think? A little early? Yeah, but William was balling at that point. So I yeah. feel like it probably makes sense. I mean, teams are going to pick on Seamus Coleman when he's in there. It's just kind of the right. reality. But yeah, as you said, I think it made sense given it's still sitting at nil nil all to play for you want to maybe boost your defense a little bit and Patterson can get up and down a little bit more so you'd hope that maybe that enables you to get forward a little bit more I don't think it quite did that just inconsistency from Coleman at this point in his career he was so good last week bottling up Zaha but the fact that a 34 year old William was just absolutely dominating him today a little bit surprising but he is he's still got it what can I say um, and then we moved to the just a minute later. We basically did a double sub. We bring James Garner right. on for Drissa Ghana Gay, which I also thought probably made sense. Ghana's played a ton of minutes lately. Frank seems willing to get, continue to give Garner more and more minutes. So it was good to see the young kid get in. I don't think he made a, an outsized impact or anything like that, but uh, good to see him continue to get that experience. And just to let Ghana get off his leg that he just got absolutely trampled on, right? I'm seriously, yeah. I'm surprised that he made another 40 match minutes. Um, on that leg after seeing, you know, the stomp. So that's uh, obviously a positive. Yeah. And then in the 76, we bring on Dwight McNeil for gray. Uh, I think a lot of people at this point were hoping that it might be the other flank who saw McNeil move to. Um, so I don't know, Alex, what do you think? 
Gray off before Gordon seems to be the trend as of late, but what are your thoughts on who should have been taken off? I, I just don't understand why he'd take Gray off Gray off instead of Gordon first. I mean, Gordon was really wasteful today. We'll get into stats. Um, you know, I thought he was, you know, his defensive contributions, his work rate couldn't, you know, couldn't be faulted. But, you know, again, we just talked about how, you know, the biggest chance by far was was Gray's, you know, cross swung in on his left foot. Um, you know, Gordon was doing a ton of defensive work on his side as well. So would have would have really preferred that that he uh, that he went off first instead. Yeah, I'm with you. And then he eventually does get subbed for Mopai at the end. But uh, yeah, we were pretty much had the, had the hatches battened down and we're just trying to get away with the point at the end. It was all Fulham. And you look at the second half stats and it's it's not a pretty picture, folks. 13 to one in shots, though. I think they only had like a couple on target in the second half. Mitrovic was firing things at like 95 miles an hour that were 40 feet wide, 40 feet high. But he was getting in those areas and trying a lot of ambitious stuff. It's 57, 42 possession, uh, 43 rather. Um, and then 11 to four in aerials, nine to six in tackles. They had six corners to our zero and we had eight dispossessions in the second half. So really just, you know, dominant from Fulham. They weren't able to get the goal in the end. And as people said at the top, I think it's important that we were able to keep a clean sheet away from home. It was important to get points on the road, which is something we struggled to do for a really long time. But it's still disappointing to have to, you know, go into your shell to that extent against a newly promoted side. Though Fulham have been pretty good this season, and, and Marco Silva deserves a lot of credit for that. Disappointing, and, and and I think the other thing too is you can't really say that they would have been extra tired, right? You know, they put in that performance against Crystal Palace three days after the match prior. Um, they had a solid week off, unchanged lineup. So I think that's really the disappointing thing. Just such a large disparity between the performance last week and this week with the same personnel, with the same ideas, I think, in my opinion. Is it as simple as just a home and away thing? Like, this team's decent at home, but we just are terrible on the road? Or do you think there's maybe more to it? I, th- I think there's more to it. I, I think that, um, you know, there are players in the lineup that we rely on too much or, or we should be relying on too much and, and are not producing. And I think until we kind of address that, until they address that, you know, we're going to continue to be extremely inconsistent in that in that regard. Fair enough. Um, let's keep it moving here and get into our good and bad performances, Alex. Um, one defender in particular, I think, stood out to a lot of folks, and we've had him heard him mentioned a couple times. Um, and he is your selection today. I'll let you uh, do the rollout here. Yeah, that would be uh, Mikalinko. He had, in my opinion, a, a complete defensive performance. He was all over the pitch. He looked more comfortable going forward than he has in recent weeks, which is good. You know, another another factor of the form, you know, being Seamus Coleman sitting deeper on the right-hand side. So Mikalenko kind of charged with trying to get a little bit more involved. And we saw that again because he had, I think, third most touches in the, in the team. He had two tackles, a couple interceptions, five clearances, a block, a key pass, two aerials, one. You know, on the flip side, he still had plenty of room for improvement at 68% pass accuracy. We know, as you said, James, that we didn't necessarily uh, attack on the left-hand side all too much in comparison to the right-hand side. But overall, I thought it was a really inspired performance. You know, you could tell that I think he's benefiting from playing with the same center back on his side week in, week out, good vocal leaders on the pitch with him. And I'm really excited to see how he keeps progressing because, again, he's he's only 23 years old. So, you know, a lot of room for improvement still to be had, and I'm really excited about it. James, uh, who did you have for your good? 
Yeah, I went with uh, Jordan Pickford. Just quickly on Mikolenko, I did want to just mention that one play that drew the yellow from Bobby de Cordova-Reed, which resulted in his suspension where he just slipped it by him and, and broke down the touchline. I mean, I'd like to see more of that from Mikolenko. I know that's not really his game, but it was a it was a really slick move and, and good to see those elements starting to come out for him. Yeah, my good was Jordan Pickford. He had six saves on the day. Those three, basically triple save in the first five minutes very easily could have been down one one nil at that point and then chasing the match for the remainder ended with six in total Fulham really struggled to get shots on target but they had some decent ones and, and Pickford was there to save the day as he has been for most of the season um, yeah Fulham's XG numbers uh, indicated they probably deserve more from the game but that's why you have a keeper in between the sticks and that's why Jordan Pickford is England's number one because of performances like this yeah, and it's got to be fun and, and exciting as an England fan, an England Everton fan, you know, watching Pickford going into the World Cup this coming month in such good form for Everton, especially, you know, for such a long period stretching back into last season as well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, for the bads, I cheated a little bit, and we talked about how bad he was already, but let's get into the numbers behind it, Alex, and I'll let you introduce him. It's Gordon this week. And we're going to have to kind of pick on him because it was it was to this extreme, but he was really wasteful. He had no impact whatsoever on the right hand side. Um, he had 58.8% pass accuracy, no key passes, no dribbles. He lost possession five times outside of sloppy passing. I, I will give him, you know, I'll throw him a bone and I'll say the work rate was still there, right? Um, he still supported Coleman and then, you know, uh, in the future, Patterson on the right hand side defensively when he could. He had a couple defensive actions. So overall, it's just um, it's a heavy reliance on on someone that I, I am afraid cannot produce what we what we need as of right now. James, what else do you have to add about his performance or maybe the outlook on the rest of the season for him? Yeah, I just I feel kind of bad piling on the kid because he's there's so much pressure that's been placed on him. And I think some unrealistic expectations as well about what he like. I think he, he served as like a symbol more than anything else last season of the hope for the future for Everton. And he was kind of pushed into the spotlight because of how terrible we were. And okay, now we have this young local lad who's finally getting minutes. We can pin all our hopes and dreams on his shoulders, but nothing, nothing is working really for him right now, at least on a consistent basis. And he was good against palace. We talked about it on the pod last week. He had his moments, but it's five bad performances and then one pretty good to decent performance. And that is just not the level we need, especially when we're struggling so much to create, to score goals. And again, I don't know if he just needs to like up, re up the, uh, re up the, the bleach job on his hair. And maybe that will <laughs> invigorate him with, with new ability, but it just feels like he's easily found out by basically every defense he goes up against. There was one moment. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he beat a guy for pace down the touchline and then proceeded to hold on to it too long and lose the ball. And to me, that's consummate Anthony Gordon in this Everton side right now. No ability to create for dominant Calvert-Lewin. They weren't clicking. And to be fair, Damari Gray and Dom weren't cl- really clicking either other than that one chance. But he needs service. And the wide players are the ones who are predominantly going to be getting him that service. It's not happening right now. And I I almost feel like he's being hung out to dry a little bit by Frank as well. Like we talked about how late he was subbed. He's still never getting substituted, even when he's not on his best. And I think that also kind of adds to the pylon for him. And again, I don't, I don't want to pick on him too much, but in a team that has been pretty bad and is missing these important contributions from the wide areas, it just, it, 
makes him stand out as poor that much more, as unfortunate as it is. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, especially with with, you know, fans expectations, you know, how that plays into Frank's reliance on him in the starting lineup. And as you said, even subs or, you know, how long he's staying on the pitch when he is subbed. Um, I think I'm just most frustrated with the fact that we have to rely on him or we feel like we have. I mean, why 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 can McNeil not get a run of games in the side? Gordon coming off the bench. Um, McNeil's got a lot more uh, experience in the top flight in general. Um, it doesn't really make sense to me at this point in the season, but you know, maybe, maybe coming up because it, I think it's getting clear now that he's going to need some sort of break. Uh, if not physically, then mentally. Yeah. And we've got that break coming up. And as far as the world cup's concerned, but I, I agree. I think, I honestly think a match or two, just benching him and then bringing him on as a sub can do a lot to rebuild his confidence because he doesn't look like he is confident taking on guys right now. He looks very much like he's, um, he's just struggling. And I think that bears out in the, the play. Um, we did want to just mention, we were texting with Ryan in the group chat. Uh, Ryan thought our defense was terrible today. He thought Tarkowski and Cody were bad, but he thought Mikolinko was good. Um, and, and it is true. I mean, you know, people lauding the defensive performance is all well and good. We did keep a clean sheet, but we did get battered by a Fulham team who, while decent offensively, um, are still, I think, not quite the level that you know, we, we would expect us to do a little bit better, and we did get kicked around a little bit. So, and the fact that, you know, a 34 year old William just completely rinsed pretty much everyone that was in front of him uh, doesn't bode super well. But less said about that, the better, Alex. Let's get into the summary. I did think it was funny last week, Ryan. Uh, you know, we use who scored for some of the numbers on the show, and they do like a summary of the match. And last week it said Crystal Palace, their summary was team has no significant strengths. And we were like, ha ha ha, that's so funny. <laughs> and then this week, that was exactly what it said for Everton no significant strengths. And I think that that's probably accurate. Yeah. If, if you, uh, if you looked at who scored at all last season, we saw that quite a bit as well. It's, it's, uh, it's funny, but in a hurtful way. Yes, exactly. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't laugh next time because the other shoe <laughs> bound to drop. XG numbers, I actually think maybe a little flattering for us. It We had uh, from Mark Statsbot 2.13 for Fulham to 1.11 for us. And then Understat had 1.76 for Fulham to 1.19 for us. 1.19 is seems like a kind of a high number. But as I said earlier, that chance for Dominic Calvert-Lewin is being scored super high just because of the position on the field. I mean, he's right on the six. And there's really no one between him and the goalkeeper, but that did that did feel a little bit flattering. Um, it didn't really feel like outside of that we had very many good chances to score at all. Yeah, the the only other contributing factor to the XG number would have been the Tarkovsky free hutter on the corner in the first half, in which he sent it you know straight at Burnt Leno. We did have a couple of comments I think worth discussing. We had uh, RuPaul Pogba at Bossman Junior, regular and long term long time contributor to the show, who said. Glad to see Patterson back. He's an upgrade. Also said to start Garner next game. And I think the last comments, the interesting one, he said, I don't get nervous at corners anymore. Hashtag respect the point. 13 to four in corners today in favor of Fulham Alex. And I'm with RuPaul Pogba on this one. I didn't feel super nervous, even though they actually did have a couple of decent chances from those corners. It did feel like our defense was more assured at defending them, especially compared to last season. Yeah, I think the first couple corners, I didn't feel too great about. It felt like they were making some some positive contact on the ball. But moving forward into the match, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I don't necessarily, um, you know, I, I don't know that I'd start Garner next match. It's just so hard because Ghana and Onana have both been, um, you know, very, very good in the last couple of weeks. And, and you know, he clearly wouldn't 
replace Awobi in that regard. But we also had Grant Schiller at OGS Chill. Um, his comment was, good summation of the season. Defending not bad, but required poor finishing and great goalkeeping to keep the clean sheet. Midfield was the strong point. Awobi was involved in everything positive going forward. Gordon and Gray heads down and can't release on time or accurately. Kills attack. Pretty much ticks all the boxes with that one. Also a, a, a constant theme on the show this season so far. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think we got Alex Awobi on the ball nearly often enough. When we did, he was he did have a couple errant passes. There's no doubt about that. But there were also a number of moments where he he just does what he does, and he'll slide a pass through defenders into space and free up a break in attack. Um, I think everyone was guilty of holding onto the ball a bit too long today, at least up front. And that continues to be very, very frustrating. And then we had James Gardner, regular again, regular contributor at JR Gardner 91. A point in that game is what I was expecting. Feels like we were just lacking some end product. Able to get in a few advanced positions, but couldn't do anything with it. Feel like we needed a Wobie to get involved more. Wow, great minds think alike. In the second half, Pickford saved us this game, my man of the match. Wow, James and James and James just clicking. That's really. right. Very <laughs> similar thoughts, and I think that's a, a very good analysis there. I do think, you know, the performance was bad. We talked about it up front. Points away are not anything to to turn your nose up at, especially given how few and far between they came last year. And really, I think anytime we get anything on the road, it has to be considered somewhat positive if you zoom out and look at the grand scheme of the entire season it absolutely does you know i and and also too it, it's a team sitting um you know considerably higher on the table with us you know from us in terms of point i think still seventh at time of recording i don't think they're going to stay seventh you know don't don't take me at that but what i'm saying is it's all about context um sometimes results more matter more than performances i think any um top team will tell you that right good teams figure out how to win or in this instance, get a point when things get, get tough. So um, all things considered, it's, it's an okay result, um, especially since I'd say we would be the happier of the two to get it. Agree with that. And just one, I guess a couple more points before we wrap this one up. I did from the same Mark Statsbot, who is a great follow on Twitter at Mark Statsbot, uh, some really cool analysis and advanced statistics from his account. So give him a follow has a chart for uh, just overall ball progression by both pass and carry and i just wanted to highlight it because and it's retweeted on our twitter so you can go visualize it if you're listening right now but it just shows how how poor we are progressing the ball in that james tarkowski was our most progressive carrier of the ball and jordan pickford unsurprisingly with the long balls was our most progressive passer but then you look at gordon and basically you'd expect maybe our midfield at least to be progressing the ball and a wobie um was actually less progressive in the past than Onana today. And Gordon is down in the very bottom, bottom corner, along with all the subs. So just shows, even though he played almost the full 90 minutes, his impact was very, very small in terms of what we would expect. And then you look at William, who's like, again, a huge, huge high up in progression via pass, high up in progression via carry. And he also had a number of good chances to create for others and to score. So, and we had also four five Fulham players who are more progressive than any Everton player. So that's really poor. And just to harken back to the, the squad analysis we did coming into the season, that's the weakness of this team. I think we were a little better at it against Palace, but it's still going to be over time, not something that we excel at unless we get the right personnel in. And I think at this point, we only have a few more matches to go before the international break for the World Cup. 
and then we are into January. So if we can just eke out a couple more points, put ourselves in a relatively safe position, I do think that needs direct addressing in the window. We need that presence wide. We need the ability to get up the pitch because we're just not getting nearly enough of it right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that is that is, I think, uh, going to be pretty much every fan's uh, thought moving into the window, uh, especially mine. And last but not least, we had a comment from Clyde Verdon Jr. at C Verdon 34, who said our defense continues to put up performances in matches where it feels like we are willing to forego attacking. Also, what is a foul in the Premier League? Some wild challenges. True. And the last one, which, you know, gracious in defeat or in a draw, I should say. I said, shout out to Marco Silva. I think he deserved more from us, and it's good to see him doing well. I think Marco Silva is probably our most likable ex-manager since David Moyes. Uh, Not Martinez? I don't know. I mean, we've had Phenomenal. some good ones. I guess in in very recent years, and Carlo as well, but the way he left was... I, 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 mostly what I, I agree with is that I think he deserved a little more time with us, and it, it is good to see him doing well. Um, I, I harbor no ill will towards Marco Silva, which is uh, more than I can say for certain other figures yeah. <laughs> in Everton's recent past. Absolutely have to agree. All right, folks. I know this is a, a relatively short one, but it was a nil-nil draw. I don't know we also don't have Ryan here to uh, just belabor Alex Wobie on the right as the worst thing in the world, which is bad. <laughs> I just want to say in his defense, it is really bad. And I think that is uh, not insignificant in diagnose some of Everton's problems as of late. But Alex, before we go, before we leave the people, any final thoughts on today or the state of Everton at large? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, overall, decent result on the road. Um, you know, appreciate everyone listening as always and have a fun and safe Halloween. Nothing can be scarier than being an Everton fan. If you're going through any haunted houses or anything like that, just bear that in mind. And with that, we appreciate everyone tuning in. As Alex said, if you enjoyed the show, just one last reminder, please leave us a rating and review on our podcast platform of choice. That helps us out a lot. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us. All those links in the description. Uh, Join our discord invite.gg slash ATP. And with that, We're done for the day. Hope everyone enjoyed. Until next time, up the toffees.